Welcome back to another episode of B-Hall Radio. We're at episode 62, and I'm your host, Brian Rowan. With us co-hosting tonight, Ty Reedy. Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm back. I felt like I was voted off the island there, B-Row, for a while, so good to be back. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but I want to make sure we, uh, we introduce uh, our guests today. So, um, Colonel uh, Nick Gist, Master of the Sword. You know, very well-versed name up at, the, up at West Point, 1994 graduate of the Academy. Uh, been involved with the wrestling program for, you know, ever since I was there. I feel like, um, you know, for the last 20 years, um, everybody who's graduated has known your name. So appreciate you coming on the show and welcome. Thanks for having me, B-Row and Ty. I appreciate it. Uh, always good to see you guys, even if it's on video, but even better when you can make it up to West Point. Uh, love seeing former wrestlers come up, get in the room, talk to the guys. I know that's, you know, regardless of the generation, I know the guys appreciate having former wrestlers still involved in the program. And certainly Bihar Radio does that. Um, your commitment to the program in that way and in many other ways is, is great. Uh, we love it. We love every bit that we can get out there and, and put a good face on uh, Army West Point Wrestling and Bihar. Yeah, well, that's that's what we're here to do. Uh, I went to East Stroudsburg last weekend, and uh, it was it was it was kind of funny because I I, I I ran into a couple of parents, and I felt like I was like a celebrity because they were like Biro. <laughs> no, not many people call me Biro. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> most people call me Brian. Uh, so like when people refer to me as Biro, I usually think it's they've got to be army wrestling related and don't really know me that well because um, that's that's really it. But um, no, I'm glad it's uh, it's making an impact to our dozen dozens of listeners. Yeah, let me uh, let me say one thing real quick. Is hey Veterans Day, right? So thank you both for your service and a shout out to all the the folks that'll listen to this uh, podcast and and thank them for their service. It's it's important to reflect and remember those who've come before us and, and laid the pathway and um, couldn't be prouder to continue to serve. But it's a privilege and. Uh, happy Veterans Day to everyone listening. Same to you, sir. Thanks for leading the way. Awesome. Appreciate that. So kind of moving moving into this, I understand you played golf with uh, Coach Ward today. Uh, we played today. Yeah. A little bit competitive. It's always competitive when it's uh, – for. so today it was three of us. It was Coach Ward, uh, Colonel Tom Cook, for those that know Tom oh, Cook, yeah. I think most who've, who've been around Army Wrestling know the voice. Um, so the three of us play quite often and today we had a beautiful day in the mid Hudson Valley to get out and, and play another round. And, uh, it's always competitive. It's always intense. Maybe today a little bit more intense at one point, but, um, uh, it's a lot of fun to get out there with those guys and, and just, uh, talk about whatever could be army wrestling, could be golf, could be anything in between, could be family, but it was a good day. We had a lot of fun. Was, was Cook just sending Sabos down range the whole time or? yeah he hit a few <laughs> tanker hit a few yeah he's a, I, I love spending time around tom his intensity is uh, you can't match it uh, whether it's no. golf wrestling uh teaching cy 105 or, or talking about being an armor officer his intensity is pretty amazing and i look forward to another year of army wrestling but this year where we can all be there um and listen to him matt side cheering our guys on <laughs> it's a, it's it's good to be on the on the same side of the bench as Cook, <laughs> not on the opposing team. Because if I was another right. coach, oh, it'd drive me nuts. Yeah, yep. he's known. Much, what's that? 
he's gonna have to travel a bunch of time. I mean, we only have the one home duel with Lehigh. Um, yeah. He else is away, so he's gonna have to travel a bunch to you know bring that intimidation factor into the their home gyms. And I'll tell you, he he said, you know, we're I know we're gonna talk a little bit about the travel schedule. He's already told me, hey, I'll go to everything. Um, <laughs> he loves to travel with the team. He's known very well, probably nationally, but certainly within the uh, Eastern Conference. He's known for uh, his mat side antics, which are very professional, uh, absolutely. But um, he's loud, and I don't know how he, he sustains that energy through an entire tournament. He has his work cut out for him this weekend at the, at the uh, Journeyman, though. We're sending, I think, 30-some wrestlers, and they'll all get you know three, maybe four matches apiece. So he's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, just all that time spent 20 years in the tank just yelling at, you know, the driver <laughs> and the loader. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so are you, uh, you know, as the highest ranking OR on the team, you know, do you, do you get to, like, pick and choose which uh, which events you're going to? I do. and I guess it's, you know, maybe I'll say a little bit selfishly, I like to travel with the team. Um, but we've got a great group of ORs, um, and they really span the academy in so many different areas. They're willing to do whatever, you know, whatever's needed to help out with the team. Um, I'll, I'll say that we're probably first and foremost, just huge fans. Um, and, but we want to support the guys in whatever they need. But yeah, I, I do get to put together a schedule. Uh, Todd Messett, uh, gratefully, uh, gracefully stepped aside and has allowed me to, um, and I guess you could call it, take the reins as the head OR, but it, it's really a privilege to have a good team of ORs. And, um, we share the, we share the traveling duties, but it, it's, there's probably a smaller group of folks that do most of the traveling and I'm definitely going to travel as much as I can this year. Sir, what, um, what, if any ORs are back that are former wrestlers, just for people that are listening, that might know. Yeah. Good question. So Lieutenant Colonel Matt McGinnis, he's in the Department of Physical Education now as an academy professor. And I think Matt's class of 2002. And I think he was a maybe 140 pound, 141 pound wrestler. Um, yeah. We've also got Mike, Captain Mike Gorman. He's also in the Department of Physical Education. Uh, I can't remember Mike's weight. I want to say 157, 165 sounds about right. Uh, but Mike's definitely involved. And then uh, Lieutenant Colonel Eric Gust, who's in uh, Department of Military Instruction, he's actually the chief of the session. So we got branching coming up and that's his portfolio. But yeah, he's a former wrestler as well. And I think Eric was actually, if I remember right, a heavyweight wrestler. Doesn't look like it now. He's, he's definitely slimmed down, still a big guy. But uh, those are the three former Army wrestlers that are serving as ORs right now. With um, is McGinnis, is that, is that a permanent uh, professor is that a permanent position at the academy it is so so matt was oh. an aviation officer um right. got selected to be an academy professor which is a permanent position uh in the department of physical education so he finished up his phd at the university of florida and joined us about a year and a half ago in dpe and he's our director of fitness education uh and also uh, within our department responsible for our holistic health and fitness initiative um, the Army has a new initiative. I won't go too deep into that, but um, he's responsible for that in our department. He's just a great officer, and um, he's taken on, you know, if you remember, Paul and Beth Merritt for years would sponsor the yeah. Firsty wrestlers. Matt has taken on that role as being the Firsty sponsors. Um, so I think him and his wife and their two uh, little girls have the Firsties over as much as they can. Well, tell him, and I'm, hopefully he'll listen, but tell him we said congrats on that. I know, you know, I went back as a tech and 
and obviously, you know, intimately, I mean, going back there is a, a, a special thing to give back to the Academy and then to do it permanently like you. And, and now, now Matt McGinnis and, and a former wrestler, that's, um, that's pretty special. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's another one of those privileges that you don't really anticipate or think about too much. And in, in the latter part of our careers, we've been fortunate enough to, to get back here. And um, we love what we do. Obviously we love what we do in DPE. Uh, but we love what we do here at the Academy. It's a great family environment. Um, and we have a lot of fun getting to spend time around the wrestling team too. Cool. Awesome. So kind of diving into, um, you know, more into the, your relationship with the team, you know, not having wrestled at the Academy, um, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of going through the Academy um, in the early 90s and kind of how you've developed that relationship. You know, did you have a relationship with the wrestling team back then or how did that kind of come to be? Yeah, so there's a longer story there. So I, I grew up wrestling, right? Five years old, I, I first stepped on the mat and, and uh, loved the sport. You know, once a wrestler, always a wrestler. And um, I, I would say I had a fairly successful um, high school career out in California. I'm from San Diego, but didn't really get any attention recruiting wise. Um, came to the academy and uh, still wanted to wrestle. Um, it didn't play out that way. I just simply wasn't good enough. And, and that, that's, I think that's a good thing, right? We, we've had a quality program for a long time and it just continues to get better. Uh, but I remained a fan throughout. I, you know, I remember back in those days, and I know you've had a few of these guys on, but uh, Nick Malden, uh, Dave Warnick, TJ Wright, um, and several others, uh, some of my classmates that were in there, um, I would, you know, anytime we had a dual meet, whether it was in Hayes gym or another part of Arvin, I think those were the main places where dual meets occurred back then. I was always there to, to cheer on. I mean, it, you know, if you're a wrestler, you understand the sport very well, obviously. Um, so regardless of the depth of your connection to, you know, any of the individuals or even the team for that matter, you just love good wrestling. You like seeing guys get out there and, and, uh, battle on the mat and, uh, you know, obviously then I wanted to see Army come out on top, uh, but it's always been a lot of fun to support the program. And cer certainly as a cadet, I tried to do that as much as possible. And then when I came back to DPE in 2003 as a captain, I, I got involved uh, back when Chuck Barbie was the coach. I got involved as an OR then. A good friend of mine, TJ Wright, was in DPE. He's class of 93. He was also an OR. Um, and we would follow the team wherever we could. You know, I remember we'd get the jump in the car and drive out to East Stroudsburg for a duel or, or drive down to Navy for the duel there. Um, I think, uh, you know, maybe in 2000, I can't remember the exact, maybe it was 2006. No, I know what it was 2005. Cause I, we drove down to Navy, uh, my wife and I, and, uh, our two young kids and I couldn't, I didn't want to sit close to the team. So I sat further up because I knew I would be on my feet and yelling and, um, you know, just cheering the guys on. And I don't think my, uh, my wife wanted to be embarrassed by that, uh, my <laughs> antics, Matt side. So I was a little bit further away from the mat. But, yeah, I've always followed Army wrestling uh, since I, you know, came back in 1990 as a cadet. And then, of course, when I returned as a lieutenant colonel um, in 2013, walked straight into, you know, Joe Heskett's offices and said it. Hey, Joe, I'm Nick Guest. I'd love to contribute any way I can and became a part of the program back then. And, and I always tell Kevin, hey, I'm first and foremost, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. 
but wherever else I can help out, let me know. Awesome. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, when I look back at like kind of my time and you talked about, you know, getting back in the DPE and like the, you know, early 2000s. Um, I remember when I was a plebe, you were still at the academy and I don't know why, but, and this is like kind of embarrassing. But I used to, I used to think that like the instructors were like, it was competitive with like IOCT times and APFTs and things like that. And just kind of being back at the academy the last couple of years, kind of like with my brother-in-law being there, I realized like how not of a factor that is at all. Um, but with that being said, what, what would you say your IOCT, IOCT time is right now? Yeah, so because you gave me this, this question ahead of time, B-Row, I, I actually had to go look up my cadet time. So I'll, I'm going to be proud of this, right? This, this sounds a little arrogant, but as a cadet, uh, I ran 229. And, and I thought that was pretty darn good. And then when I came back to DP in 2003, and you say we weren't, we're not, we were, we're, we are definitely competitive. There's no doubt about it. I'm not anymore. <laughs> the captains and majors are. But when I came back as a captain, I ran 224, so I beat my cadet time. So right now, today, I really don't know. I haven't run it all out in a while. But I will tell you, in the last two years, I ran a time fast enough to still earn the IOCT tab. So I'm proud of that. That's why I say it. Um, but there's nothing uh, that can humble you more than the indoor obstacle course test. Uh, it's brutal for those that have ever done it. They know how tough it is. Um, you kind of have to embrace it. I always tell cadets, no matter how fast or slow you run it, it's going to hurt. So you might as well go as hard as you can um, and then get to that finish line as quick as you can. But yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still somewhat competitive. I'll tell you, um, among our younger officers, they'll still come into the department, especially if they teach military movement, uh, formerly gymnastics. Um, they're going to they're gonna try it out and they're going to put themselves on a clock. And then the majority of them do earn the tab. The coveted tab. What's the time? Is it like 240? 238. 238. Is an A minus, which yeah. earns you the tab. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, golly. I, it, it's just, it's, it's horrible. It just, yeah. you're right, though. It doesn't matter. Like everyone is just toast at the end. It's, you're done. Yeah. It's so, and I love, you know, having you in class. And, and I remember, uh, well, anytime you have wrestlers come through that class, I don't teach that class anymore. I primarily teach in our kinesiology major, but also a little bit of boxing. And uh, whenever we have wrestlers come through that class, it's impressive because, you know, wrestlers grow up learning how to tumble. They have great, um, you know, strength to weight ratio. They have great balance, agility, coordination. So that, that's what that class is about. And they come in there. And a lot of times the wrestlers want to earn every point. I remember Jack Wedholm handful of years ago he he was determined to earn every point and he got about halfway through the class and he had an injury so you know we had told him hey jack you can still finish the class you've earned enough points he said no i'm going to drop it because i want to come back and earn all the points <laughs> sure enough he did i think he either earned all of them or came up one or two short and then this recent year we had another another one of the wrestlers they take a yearling year now so we had one of the class of 2024 guys he was the same way uh, and even I walked in there one day and he ran the IOCT a second time just to pace a classmate. Uh, it's neat to see that kind of um, determination, teamwork uh, as part of really what is an individual course, right? And, and so 
always love seeing wrestlers in there. Remember the Simpsons coming through there, um, tearing it up and uh, Chandler Smith. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the others I might have had in class, but yeah, it's for a lot of cadets, it's, that class is an equalizer, but for wrestlers, <laughs> they do really well. And I think the, the thing that's awesome about it is that I don't, I don't know. And you, I guess you probably know this, maybe not, I'll put you on the spot, but when it first started, but it, it, that thing, you know, hasn't changed much over all these years. And it's a common thing that, that I can look back on guys from the sixties and the, I don't know, when did it start? Do you know? Ty, you just put me on the spot. That's sorry. Uh, I think it, no, no, it's okay. I think it started <laughs> in the forties. I'm trying to picture the, yeah. the history in my mind, but I think it started in the forties and you're right. It hasn't changed much. There was a, yeah. a couple of small changes, you know, where the balance beam is now, there used to be parallel bars and you would walk basically walk on parallel bars, not inverted, but you would walk as if you were doing dips. Right. Um, and a few other really small changes, but it's largely unchanged. So cadets from, yeah. you know, anytime over the last 70 years, 80 years uh, could, could walk into Hayes gym and see that it's the same test and the same, right. same requirement to uh, demonstrate excellence in physical fitness. And I think more important than the physical fitness part of it is the mental toughness that's required. Right. Because, I mean, you get to that rope and you get up to the track and, yeah, your fitness still matters, but it's gut check time. Mm. So uh, while you were talking about that, I quickly Googled it. There's a Wikipedia page that is very in-depth about the IRCT. OK. Uh, so you were right. The 40s, 1944. Um, but it even goes it's in-depth with like changes in 1948, 75, 79, 81, 82. 80. I mean, it's it hasn't updated with like what the records are and like it is. Whoever's in whoever's uh, maintaining that page cares a lot about the IOCT. If it's on <laughs> Wikipedia, that means it's a big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's neat. B Hall will be on Wikipedia one day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got we got I've got two bones to pick with DPE. One of them we'll get to later, but the first the okay. first and first one is uh, uh, the only B I got was in, in my, <laughs> my, I don't care, my senior, whatever, lifetime sport. I wanted golf like everybody else. So they gave me, I don't know, they gave me volleyball and I got a B plus in volleyball of all things. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, hey, God, I got, I, I got it one, still eats me up. I can one up you on that. Is that that you're only B and PE or at West Point altogether? No, no, come on, sir. <laughs> Who are you talking to? In DPE. In DPE. Okay. So, I, we sponsored a, uh, I think he was class of 07. You guys are nine and 10. I'm 05. I'm 05. Oh, you're 05. Okay. Oh, no. But uh, we, we sponsored a cadet and we're, we still, you know, we went to his wedding. We're still in touch with him today. He's class of 07. His only B at West Point was in military movement. And I was his primary instructor for that course. <laughs> <laughs> He was in the running for Rhodes Scholarship, and that was his only B in the in the at West Point in any of the pillars. Pretty amazing. Wow. Or at least in the academic and physical. But yeah, it's uh, a tough course. Tough course. Yeah. So volleyball, huh? Was who was who was your uh, instructor? You remember? Uh, some civilian guy, mustache, glasses, shorter. Doctor Lynn Felix, probably. Yeah. Man, yeah. he was he was watching <laughs> that ball on that line. I was, I was with the serves or something. I don't know. We got to maintain so we, the standard. Yeah, 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 you do. You do. 
But uh, um, so let's go back. Let's rewind a little bit. So let's talk about how how you got to West Point, being from California, whatever. How'd you know about it? Uh, and then maybe ju just a quick, you know, um, journey through your your time at West Point, and then kind of ended yeah. what got you into aviation and, and from there. Okay. Yeah. So um, you know, I in high school, I, I I certainly knew I wanted to go to college. At the time, I I really wanted to wrestle and. You know, the, the idols out there were um, in Iowa and at Iowa State. And, uh, some of my friends had gone on to Cal Poly where they had, uh, you know, ultimately had some successful careers. I had one of my buddies that did go to Oklahoma for a few years. One buddy was a Division II national champ at North Dakota. Um, so, you know, I kind of had wrestling on my mind. So I was applying to schools that had wrestling teams. But I also had a guidance counselor at my high school who really understood the nomination process. Uh, and we'd had several kids from our high school go on to go to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy. And I think we had had one go to West Point. And so at the time, my best friend and I were, we both were applying to the service academies. I think all three, or at least in my case, it was all three. And being from San Diego and my dad had been in the Navy, you know, I was focused on the Naval Academy. Um, good thing that didn't work out. Um, but my best friend ended up going to the Air Force Academy and, and I got the phone call that I got the nomination, got an appointment to West Point. And of course, my parents were excited. I don't think I was quite as excited, um, just to be honest with you, you know, going that far from home, kind of the unknown. And, and then just, you, you know, you, you don't really know, at least I didn't, didn't really know what it meant to be an Army officer. I just did. Right. Um, we like to think now that we did at that time, but I did. Um, but I accepted the appointment, have no regrets at this point, but so entered in July 2nd, um, 1990, a few days before my 18th birthday. Um, probably only the third time I'd been on an airplane, I think, flew into Newark. Our day, um, I was an average cadet by all accounts. Um, you know, I had to work hard like anyone else, but ultimately it was pretty average. Uh, but for some reason, aviation appealed to me. I'd never really thought about it before, probably you know, maybe the end of my yuck year, maybe that summer between yuck and cow year, started to seriously think about it. Maybe it was a ride in a Huey or something like that. And so ultimately I did CTLT at Fort Bragg with an aviation unit and uh, got, to, got to actually fly a little bit in OH-58 Alpha Charlie model. Um, and, and I was hooked. And so fortunately I did select and got to branch aviation and, um, Flight school at Fort Rucker, assignments all around the world, uh, Korea a few times. Um, then obviously got back to West Point that first time, as I talked about earlier. Um, really had no idea I would ever stay in beyond my initial commitment. Matter of fact, I think if you asked my wife, she'd probably say, yeah, you were, you were dead set on getting out. Um, but at about that point where it was, you know, my active duty service obligation would have been up, um, the DP opportunity kind of popped up. Um, I hadn't really been pursuing. I think maybe I got a brochure in the mail or something like that. And so I applied and, and got selected. And uh, you know, I guess the rest kind of, you know, tells the rest of the story. I did go back to aviation after my first tour in West Point, back to Korea, uh, did a trip to Iraq, um, commanded general staff college. Um, you know, there's probably another assignment or two in there, but 
Uh, when I was asked to come back the second time, I was lucky enough to go to grad school again at University of Georgia, study exercise physiology. Uh, then at that time, obviously, I knew that that was probably how I was going to finish my career was either a, a three-year assignment at West Point or if things worked out, then I might have the opportunity to get one of the permanent jobs. And that opportunity uh, came up my second year in DPE. Uh, I applied and uh, fortune, fortunately for me and, and my family, um, that part worked out. And, and here we are eight years later, still doing it. And um, there's probably an end in sight. I just don't, don't, don't know what it is yet. <laughs> what is there a max? Like there has to be a, is it, is the army is what, how many years, 42 or something like that? Or. Yeah. So when you become a professor USMA and that's all the department heads and deputy department heads on the academic sides, so there's 26 of them, uh, the director of admissions, the vice dean for resources and the head of DP, my position are all called professors USMA or PUSMAs. And when you get appointed to that position, you can serve until the month after your 64th birthday. So for me, that's, you know, just short of 15 years away. Um, wow. so I got 15 more years in DPE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure I won't stay that long, but we have had department heads at West Point stay to their 64 and uh, serve for an incredibly long time. It obviously provides continuity at the academy, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm likely not going to stay that long. I'm going to keep doing it as long as I'm having fun and as long as I feel like uh, I'm relevant to our mission and, um, you know, the department's always going to do well because we just have great people, an incredible mission, and the cadets are great. But for me personally, I, I want to still feel like I'm relevant to the Army and to the Corps cadets. Do people ever sure. get out from, like, the active duty side and then move into, like, the same civilian job that they had there? Like, there, does that happen frequently? Uh, I won't say frequently, but if, as I think about, um, so about half of DP's faculty are civilians. And so there's, I think it's 24 positions. Um, six or seven of those have served. And I, maybe somewhat ironically, of those six or seven, I'd have to count them up real quick, but of those six or seven, I think only two are West Point grads. I think the rest are all um, were commissioned elsewhere, other sources of commission, but just love their assignment in DP as officers. And then uh, when they got out either via retirement or after a, 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 an end of an so uh, applied either right away or maybe a period of time afterwards and, and are in DP now as civilians. I just feel like, uh, you know, once you've been in for probably like 25 or 30 years, like if you could switch over as a civilian, like financially, it probably makes more sense to, you know, to have your to have your pension and then your civilian you know assignment there, and then you don't have to maybe deal with some of the um, some additional additional duties that you may have as you know at, at being active duty as you as opposed to um, a civilian. I'm sure that, that, that I'm not the first one to think of that. That's probably come up. You no, know. you no, you're absolutely right. That that's I think. You know, any of those folks, that's probably a lot of their thinking, but I think they also are, you know, it's such a unique uh, role and responsibility in the Department of Physical Education. You know, maybe one of the last bastions of true physical education, um, in, certainly in the nation, but maybe even around the world, uh, certainly the breadth and depth of what we do is, is significant. But I think for our faculty, they really enjoy uh, what they do at, in a very unique part of higher ed, right? The, the activity courses, 
you know, get, you know, it's great to wear a t-shirt and shorts to work too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think what we do and, and the, the very high quality of um, our cadets uh, makes the job very rewarding. I always find it so interesting when people come back several times to the academy or, you know, over, you know, different, different periods of time. And you've been there from, you know, 1990, you know, not the whole time, but the present, you know, pretty much during all those periods, you know, what are the, like big changes you've seen that are happening? What sticks out to you? Obviously, you know, wrestling team getting a lot better, football team is a lot better. Um, and th there was gaps, in, you know, in between, but what stands out as far as, you know, kind of changes that have happened that you, you could speak about? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier um, that I'm not a, a big core has person. A matter of fact, when I go out on Founders Day talks, you know, around the country, I've done, you know, several of those. I often go in the other direction and, and, and I'm sure to share, share with our old grad network um, that the core has it. You know, the core is strong. The core is, uh, this generation is certainly committed to service. Um, you know, probably more than any other, right? Because they've seen 20 years of, of um, conflict, of combat with Iraq and Afghanistan, yet they still raised their hand and said, hey, I want to go do this. Um, you know, the pursuit of a great education uh, is, is no doubt still more than available here at West Point. I think our our academic programs are incredibly strong. Uh, you can compare them to any of the top tier universities in the United States, uh, and we're right there with them. Um, you add that, add to that, the immersive environment with all the incredible role models uh, that surround you, both civilian and military. Um, you know, the Mid Hudson Valley is a, is, a, is a neat place to live, and this is coming from someone from Southern California. I like the seasons. Uh, like I said, today was a beautiful day. The fall here is great. And there are so many opportunities. You know, I walk into Arvin Cadet Physical Development Center every day for work. And you kind of have to pinch yourself that you have, we're fortunate enough to have the kind of facilities we have uh, and the trust um, that our, our nation, that our nation's leaders have in us to provide us great resources in order to um, pursue the superintendent's vision, right? And that is that we're the preeminent leader development institution in the world. So the, the changes, you know, they, you can look anywhere at the academy. You can walk into the mess hall and say, yeah, things have changed. Um, you could probably walk into various classrooms and see how some things have changed. But we still use the Thayer method of, of teaching and learning, right? You come prepared to class every day uh, and you got to come prepared because you're probably going to be assessed in one, one way or another each and every day. The small classrooms are still there, right? We still have about 18 cadets per section. Um, we've added uh, some research centers that are, are attached to a lot of uh, efforts and outreach to the Army uh, that have strategic significance. Um, our athletic program is still performing at a very high, not still, continues to perform uh, and even increase its performance at high levels within conferences and even nationally. You know, you mentioned the football team. Of course, we're all familiar with the Army wrestling team and the steps they've, they continue to take up and, want, and continue to want to, right? I mean, coach's vision is chasing greatness. And chasing greatness, does it's an infinite mindset. There, there isn't a, a stopping point for that. We're not going to be satisfied with anything um, short of you putting everyone on the podium. Um, so... You know, there's probably a lot of small changes, but in terms of big changes, 
I can't really point to any specific, um, just, you know, proud to be here. It's, it's really a neat place. Uh, I'd always say three things, right? The people I get to work with every day, uh, the very important uh, aspect of our mission to the army, and then the, the core of cadets. You know, if you're in higher ed, I don't know that you can match the quality of our students and, and cadets and cadet athletes anywhere else in the country. So that those things are all still there. It's a tried and true process. It's still going strong. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably grasping at straws. You know, I probably, you know, Sammy's the same, right? And, and I, every once in a while, even coach Ward's done it. We'll be guest inspectors for Sammy. Sammy's the same. Uh, the mess hall's still the same, but there have been improvements in the mess hall. Um, we have some new barracks. You know, speaking of what's changed, I'll be honest, right now, the infrastructure change that's ongoing, and we're probably about, I think, nine years into it from cadet barracks upgrade program to academic building upgrade program to all the athletic facilities that have been uh, improved upon over the last two decades. Uh, the infrastructure has undergone some pretty significant changes. But if you walk on, and I don't like calling West Point a campus, if you walk on post and you walk around the cadet uh, central area, things still look like West Point, but there's been a lot of uh, improvements uh, within. Yeah. yeah I haven't no been out. dorms. I've seen pictures and stuff like that, but now it's kind of one of those things like the AC and the dorms. I know there's probably a lot of old grads out there like, oh, <laughs> oh, look where it is. <laughs> There are a lot of old grads that grumble about that, but I'll tell you, I mean, what's wrong with having AC, you know, if, if we want them to have a great environment to get quality sleep and have a great uh, environment yeah. to, to study and prepare, you know, I, I think that's worth it. You know, it's, a, it's, it seems like a small thing. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's probably a lot of resources for our army to commit to. Um, and, and we're happy to have it, but you know, those things are small. Uh, the summer training is awesome. I didn't mention that. The summer training is is a cut above what I experienced, and I thought what I got was pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so when, when people ask me, like, I work for a company that was co-founded by a 55 grad, and we have a 65 grad that's on our board. And I was with those gentlemen in Austin at a conference this, uh, last week, and I was telling them the same thing. I mean, when I went back there, the the cadets we were pumping out of that place is just, they're just it's just top notch they get better every year for sure um yeah yeah i couldn't agree more that's good what what company yeah. were you tacked for uh e3 e3 okay yeah yeah but yeah it was fun but uh back to you so um b row told me um that your daughter uh just graduated uh in may congrats firstly thank that's, you that's amazing um i can empathize with her because my dad was my middle school and high school principal so um i kind of know how <laughs> a little bit what that's yeah. like um, you definitely know that right there <laughs> <laughs> so how was that like for you and i guess talk about maybe um maybe maybe if you remember the first time she told you maybe she was thinking about going and maybe how that conversation went and Maybe through the yeah. process, that'd be cool to hear. So I, you know, much like what you just said, right? When your father was a principal. So anyone that's ever had a, you know, a parent be their coach in a sport or a teacher in their school, um, it's much the same. And um, so when Maddie, so she was 
totally against coming to West Point. We had to drag her out of um, Athens, Georgia between her ninth and 10th grade year. You know, you think that age, 14, 15 years old, she had, you know, her friends, the, the team she was part of, she did not want to move. Um, and so when we moved up here, she was, I think, a little bit bitter towards the idea of West Point, um, even though she didn't know much about it, um, because we left here the first time she was, what, seven, eight years old. Um, so she was against it. And so she was thinking, hey, I'm going to apply to Clemson, where her mom went to school. I'm going to apply to to Florida, I think she may have maybe even applied to, to Auburn. I can't remember exactly, but I had, I had convinced her to consider the summer leader experience. I said, hey, just, it doesn't mean you're committing to go to West Point. It's not any kind of commitment, it's just a week long leadership experience. And so she did that. And I still remember that the first night, you know, that first day they were reporting to the cadet in the red sash. And that's really the, you know, kind of the first experience she had with anything related to the military, you know, outside of what she saw parades and things. And she's texting me and, and her mom and saying, dad, I hate this. I've had to report to the kid at the red, red sash nine times. This is miserable. And then we didn't hear from her until Friday. And I picked her up, you know, we live on post. So I went down and picked her up Friday afternoon. She jumps in the car and it's a short ride from our, you know, where I picked her up to our house. But it was nonstop her telling me that I want to go to West Point. I want to be, I want to major in this. I want to branch this. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop. What happened? <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, uh, speaking of wrestling, her squad leader for SLE was Russ Parsons. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So he must have had a, a good uh, influence on her. But she, she came back from that experience and said, Dad, these are the kind of people I want to spend my time around. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the things that we did. And so sure enough, she uh, puts in her application to West Point, pursues a nomination out of the district in California where, uh, where I have my, our, is our, um, my permanent home, home of record. And she didn't get in. Um, people always kind of tilt their head at that. They're like, well, couldn't you have just gotten her in? I'm, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't get in. So uh, she was fortunate enough to um, go to Marion Military Institute for a prep year and then did get in out of Marion um, and became a member of the class of 2021. And yeah, she just graduated back in May. She branched aviation. She just started Bullock a couple of weeks ago. So we're definitely proud of her. Um, never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined, you know, what the Army would have done for us, our family, both of our kids, because my son's actually a yearling now, class of 2024. Oh, wow. Yeah. And both of them have a little bit of a tie to the wrestling team. You know, a lot of their friends are wrestlers. I think it's just maybe naturally they, they were around them when they were in high school and around the team. And so Maddie was a manager for a couple of years. And now Graham, my son is actually a manager <laughs> of the team. And a lot of, a lot of his buddies are, are on the team as well. So yeah, our ties are all, our tentacles are all in uh, West Point and in Army West Point wrestling. So uh, did, your, did your daughter um, major in branch what she told you on that, on that car ride? No, I, I think she told me she was going to bring or uh, major in engineering psychology and she ended up majoring in kinesiology. Uh, and then she did say she wanted to branch aviation. And sure enough, she branched aviation, which, <laughs> you know, I don't, for, for anyone who is an aviator out there um, from, from past years, you know, they, when they branch aviation now, 
they have a 10-year commitment after the conclusion of flight school. So she's looking at 11 and a half to 12 years of active duty um, straight off the bat by, uh, by selecting aviation. So it's a big commitment. Well, I didn't really, I think it was always seven years, but that included yeah. just time. Um, that's or, right. It, that's, it, it just changed. It just changed with the class of 2021. Wow. Well, is, there, uh, is it just because it's so expensive to bring you through flight school that it's more of a time commitment or how did the, what was the, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know all the details um, why Army senior leadership went that direction. Certainly, they had a very strong um, justification for it. I don't question that at all. I, I guess it was probably based on the amount of training. Um, I suspect it, it also could have something to do with aligning with the other services and their aviation commitments. Uh, but I'm not positive about any of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably two, three, four different variables that, that led to that decision. Hmm. So uh, Ty kind of alluded to this earlier um, with the next topic. As I was doing research for this episode, I was, you know, on uh, actually on Wikipedia. So actually, you don't know if I don't actually don't know if this is 100 accurate, but I searched, you know, <laughs> Max the Sword, and there's a, a Wikipedia page on that too. And uh, Colonel James Anderson held the position from 1974 to 1997. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm guessing you knew him. I mean, you were at the academy when he was there, you know, kind of thing. I yeah, guess he, story of the backstory, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I can I can say, I can talk a little bit about him. Um, he's a legend, right? So, I mean, 74 to 97, he retired. He actually did retire the month after his 64th birthday. Um, he's doing great. I think he's 89 years old, living down in North Carolina. He was up here two weeks ago, came to our tailgate, BP's tailgate, Um he was a legend. He had commanded a battalion during the Vietnam War. Um, ultimately, you know, found found West Point. Um, came here. I think he was the deputy department head for a year, or or maybe even more. I, I don't know the exact history on that. But then became the department head, and I he was the first department head of physical education who became a member uh, a member of the academic board, which is a big was a big deal. Uh, and then, of course, he was obviously the department head when women were integrated into the academy. So, um, you know, I can I have historical documents in my office that where he published a lot of data and, and informed leadership on how that integration should work, particularly in the physical program. Um, and then he was uh, instrumental in so many effort, other efforts and outreach to the Army. Um, he wrote a lot and spoke a lot and still does to this day with his son on character and sport. Um, big believer in that, you know, that, that, that athletics provide a great medium for developing character. Um, and I obviously, you know, totally agree with that and, and think kids being involved in athletics and team-based activities is incredibly important. But yeah, Brigadier General retired Jim Anderson, 23 years as Master of the Sword. Um, great guy, great guy. I I'll, every once in a while I call him, but it was nice to see him in person. Uh, I guess it was about a month ago now for the Wake Forest game. He's crushed more souls than anybody on the planet. My <laughs> god, jeez, Thousands. jeez, <laughs> so that's incredible. So, you alluded that, um, you know, you could stay there for another 15 years, but you know, that may not be the case. You know, what's what's your way ahead? What's your plan? You know, I, it's, I probably should have a plan, but I really don't have one. Um, like I said, as long as I'm having fun and I am, 
um, I want to keep doing this, you know, but I think at some point there's probably also uh, a reasonable path to, um, to retire and allow someone else to um, lead the Department of Physical Education. Uh, so I don't have an exact timeline. Um, you know, I still feel like I'm young. I, I can't keep up with cadets anymore. Uh, I try. I, I feel like, you know, their energy, their enthusiasm uh, in some ways helps to keep me feeling younger. Um, I don't lace up the wrestling shoes very much anymore. Every, when I do put them on, it's kind of a lot of jokes come my way, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, my wife's, my wife's a teacher on post um, at the elementary school. So if, if we had roots anywhere, and like I said, I'm from California, she's from South Carolina. If we had roots anywhere, I'd have to say it would be here at West Point with as much time as we've spent here. And uh, as much as we know about the community and it's sort of a little fishbowl, uh, but we really love uh, this environment. It's, uh, we're, like I said, we're passionate about what we do. Um, we get truly excited even every year as we come around the, you know, around the block again for our day, for Reorgi week, for football season, for wrestling season, uh, graduation, you know, all those, you know, monumental events for individual cadet classes. I think that's exciting for us because for them, it's, you know, that's, they get to do it once and, and we go around that block many, many times, but it's exciting to see their parents. It's exciting to see the, the growth that occurs in, in cadets over the four years or, or five years if they go to prep school. Um, we really would love to see that and it's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, so for, uh, for, anyone that's listening that's that's that wants to go back um and, and be in dpe uh they need some advice and only one of three uh uh people on this call were successful in getting back to dpe so <laughs> sorry uh, all three all three of you applied to get to go to DPE. Yeah, so, um, uh, that was my second yeah. bone to pick with you but that's no fine. i know i know chad water monroe, under the bridge chad monroe said the same thing i know I, I don't feel so bad if you didn't get, if you didn't let Chad in, and that, yeah, I don't feel so bad about not getting in myself. Hey, it's tough. It, so, I, yeah, it's tough. Um, Ty, uh, Brian. Yeah, I mean, uh, every year we have an, uh, a really strong group of officers apply, and I'll tell you, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but I didn't get picked the first time I applied to DPE. Um, well, I think Matt McGinnis was an alternate the first time he applied to DPE and our deputy director right now, Julia Wilson, she was actually, um, I re we, I literally, I reached out to the department, reached out to her directly to fill a spot that had become vacant. And so you never know when, you know, um, things can go your way, even when you're not, you know, you might not get selected the first time, but it's, a, it's, a incredibly competitive process. What I tell officers, and I always tell the wrestlers this, because we really like having wrestlers back in the department. We know they can teach just about anything, or, except I joke with Chandler. He probably couldn't teach swimming, um, <laughs> even though he, in reality he could because he's, he's that tough and he's that gritty. Uh, Chandler Smith could, could teach swimming. I think that was the only course he got to be in as well. Um, <laughs> but I tell people, you know, really what you have to do is go be a great officer. Go be a great company, great officer. Be a great second lieutenant. Be a great first lieutenant. Be a great captain. And then beyond that, it's just timing, right? The timing has to work out. 
And, uh, you know, the army has a, a, a path, uh, that people can generally follow, but there's, there's branches off of that path. And one of those branches is the broadening assignment at West Point, whether that's as a tech, uh, an instructor in physics and nuclear engineering or an instructor in department of physical education. And uh, that competitive process gets us a very high quality group of officers, but I also know there's a lot of very high quality officers that ultimately we didn't pick, uh, but our, our department's only so big and, um, yeah, I would love to be able to have more people, right? More would be better mm -hmm. because I know the quality would still be high. But but yeah, it's uh, I get it. Not, I, you can sling arrows at me. I'm I'm to blame <laughs> for some of that for sure. No, no, it all worked out. But um, but yeah, so yeah, just really, just go be a good officer. That's that's it. I mean, there's you can't control um, what you can't control, right? And so the timing right. you said is the biggest. The biggest piece is the timing. Is, it is, yeah, because you got to have that that time in the the back end into the uh, you know back end of after company command and prior to your key and developmental jobs as a major you got to have that window to do a year of grad school uh, three years here and then probably a year at at command and general staff college so that's a talking about a five-year window where it's got to fit for you and not put you at risk for promotion to major or lieutenant colonel yeah so um Appreciate you coming on. Before we before you leave, though, um, we need to get your input on the top on your your top three listeners you want to have on here. You know, you've you know, you've come across pretty much every army wrestler probably in the last 20 years. Um, so I, I hope you've thought thought through uh, your decision here. Who, who are the three people you want to see on here uh, uh, next? I have and I'm actually you know, I'm actually going to go further back than the 20. Um, you've had so many guys on here I, I would have mentioned i'm probably going to give you more than three so i hope you can accept my ideas and see how they work out and, and if i can ever help you i will so number one am i still on here yeah you're right you're good you're okay. on now yep uh number one is tj wright class in 1993 um tj's a really good friend of mine we taught in dp together we were ors of the wrestling team together and i, I want to reconnect him with army wrestling and so I can help you connect with him. He was a tremendous wrestler out of the state of New York. Uh, great Greco-Roman wrestler. Um, I can't remember what the weights were back then, but today he would have been a 197 pounder. Uh, but just a great human being above all that, a great human being. So he would be one. Um, I think the other one I'd offer to you, if you can get him, is Doug McCormick, class of 91. So I think if I get, if I have this right, Bob Arvin, Army wrestler, was the first captain, um, namesake for Arvin Cadet Physical Development Center. Doug McCormick was a first captain for the class in 1991 and was an Army wrestler. So I think he'd be a good, good one to get on. Um, and then the last one, this is kind of a sentimental one. And, and I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I, I, I really, I'm, I'm hoping um, that Joe Heskett can come on someday. You know, Joe is, uh, not to put a damper on this call, but you know, Joe is uh, also a great person, um, coached at Army, I think, for five or six years. Um, he, he had a stroke, I think, as, as most know. Um, he's recovering. He's working on his recovery. But I'd like to see him get back to the point where he can join you all on this show and, and talk about his time with Army wrestling. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a three solid choices and I, I couldn't, uh, I'm, I'm glad you took the time. I can tell you, you thought long, hard about those. 
There's three. It's it's funny with uh, TJ Wright. So this is actually on me because I reached out to him and he was supposed to come on probably like two weeks ago, but we had planned this okay. like back in August and I kind of dropped the ball because I was supposed to send him like a calendar invite for like two months down the road. And I forgot about it. And then it just, just kind of thought of it like a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh shoot, I need to reconnect with TJ. But when we were connecting back in August, um, he calls me on the phone and um, we're like, you know, I'm talking about it. And he like mentioned, he's like, yeah, cause you know, Sully or he mentioned somebody. And I like, it was one of those things where I kind of was like, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I know who you're talking about, but I had no idea who he was talking about. <laughs> we were talking for probably five minutes before like we realized we, he thought I was somebody else about a different topic and a different podcast for like, <laughs> like uh, the special operations community. What, what like, and he was like, I'm like, eventually I was like, this is for army wrestling. And he was like, Oh, okay. And it was just like, okay. I, I was so confused for a little while, but yeah, that's, uh, uh, we talked for like 30 minutes that day, but yeah, so he's, uh, he's, he's definitely an interesting cat. <laughs> He is. And I think one of the best parts would be you got to have a photo for your uh, social media because his hair is getting out of control. I, I'm going to push his buttons a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll either call him or text him and tell him to reconnect with you. Yeah. I, I, I friend him on Facebook. I remember him like as a DP instructor and he was like a boxing instructor. And I, it wasn't yep. fair. He was so big and his arms yep. were so long that like, I, I remember thinking this is so unfair. And he'd like, he'd walk in and his wife would walk in and she'd have like their baby like strapped on her. And I'm like, this is a power couple right here. Yep. Yeah, like, they, they are. And they are still today. Yeah. And I, then I see, I'll tell that, you, and I see his hair and now I'm like, this is not the same guy. <laughs> no, I'll tell you a funny story about him. Cause you just described him pretty well. We had a, a dining, either dining in or dining out. We had a dinner in DPE that uh, back in, you know, Oh four Oh five. And uh, we had to do skits. And TJ and another guy in our department, Lenny Bornino, did, uh, is it Rocky Four with Drago? Yeah. <laughs> and, and TJ played Drago and Lenny played Sylvester Sloan, played Rocky. And it was, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. They were perfect. They must have rehearsed it a lot because they, they played the parts very well. It was neat. <laughs> <laughs> but he has that kind of presence, you know, that kind of, you know, he's a good looking guy. Now he has the long flowing locks. Um, great athlete, great wrestler. But like I said, just a great human being. Him and his wife are a power couple. You described that very well. <laughs> yeah, that was a, uh, and then it feels like, it feels like 20 years ago in one sense, and it feels like yesterday in another sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you hopping on the show. This was a lot of fun tonight. Ty, anything uh, yeah. add before we head out? No, I appreciate it, sir. It's great to see you. Thanks for um, thanks for sharing all that. We really appreciate it, and I think uh, I think this will be a good one for people to listen to for sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. I mean, I again, I appreciate what you do. You know, any support to the program. We're trying to obviously coach is leading us to continue to jump levels as a program. Um, that'll just you know continue to push the wrestlers to jump levels as individuals and the team to jump levels. Uh, and continue to be recognized on the national level Um, and then you guys know obviously you know they're all they're all going to be great leaders uh, for our army as well and that's important but thanks for supporting all of that absolutely anytime that's what we're here for all right sir be beat navy be navy beat navy we'll see you matt side all right
Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and as always, go Army, be Navy.